0: Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast, Matt Prey, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your Friday edition. It's a It's a later than normal recording because quite frankly, we wanted to gather more information before we hit record. And guys, I don't know if the information that we gathered made it any more clear of <laughs> where the program is at from a recruiting standpoint. From a bowl prep standpoint, from uh, who's coming back standpoint um, next season, uh, Oregon had their first media availability um, with players and head coach Dan Lanning since basically uh, the Oregon State game. Dan Lanning had that one press conference on a Zoom call uh, Monday night, or was it su- Sunday night? Uh, yeah, Sunday Sunday night. Um Ahead of the opening of the portal window. They hadn't hired an OC yet. Um, They they hired one the next day, uh, but a lot has changed since that last meeting. And quite frankly, um, just to give the listener an idea, like we had an an idea of what we wanted to talk about. And then as we kind of talked out our show before the show prep, it kind of morphed again, just because uh, there's a lot to get to and the information continues to change. So this podcast, I don't want to say it's going to be all over the place, but it's going to be all over the place. Um, we're going to start with Bo Nix. And he spoke with the media. Uh, he was the last one to speak with the media. And I kind of got the sense. I don't know. Eric was there with us, with me. Um, Jared is in Massachusetts, uh, back home for the holidays. But Eric, I kind of got the sense that like he kind of didn't really want to be there. Like He gave good answers. Um, he gave very smart answers, uh, and he quite frankly isn't ready to to announce what he's doing, whether that's coming back in 2023 or going pro in the 2023 NFL draft. It was an interesting press conference. Not that he was like bad or anything like that, but you could just tell. Like he even ended the press conference by his own by himself, just shutting it down. All right, guys, thanks. See you later. And he just walked away.
1: Yeah, well, what was sort of interesting was he almost sounded like a passive figure in this decision making. I don't know if you guys picked up on the wording. I'll read one of the quotes, which was, um, I hope it's as soon as possible. Like you guys, I'm ready to know my decision. And you're kind of going like, buddy, it's your decision. You're the decision maker. And again, I'm kind of making light of the situation because I know this is a really difficult situation. As he said, there's a lot of moving parts here with nfl kind of recommendations with what can oregon offer from an nil perspective what is what is what does he make of will stein the new offensive coordinator how does the bowl game go maybe how, how does how, you know how does that does that impact the nfl draft perspective on him so i don't want to minimize that but it, it was kind of uh, kind of funny when he gets up there and kind of goes yeah i don't know my decision i hope to know it soon and you're kind of going like yeah but you're the one making that decision so Um, we do know he's playing in the bowl game. That is, he reiterated that he said that was an easy decision, Um, and obviously that would be a decision that would pale in comparison to this one. Um, But he will be playing in the bowl game down in San Diego against North Carolina. It's funny we had a you know this is a bowl prep interview scrum today with several players with Dan Lanning, and we really didn't talk about North Carolina much at all. I feel like we still don't have a ton of information. I mean, I know I'm not I'm not arguing that we should have been like, hey, who cares about what you're doing afterwards? Let's talk about this kind of meaningless holiday bowl in like 10 days. What's going on there? I'm going to hate to say meaningless, but like genuinely, like I was kind of chatting with some of the other reporters there. There's no buzz around this game, but like both teams have key players not playing. And it's just kind of like it almost feels like an extension of the offseason more than it does a part of this season. But back to Bo, I, I I think we don't know. I don't expect we'll know before the game. Um, you know, he was asked a lot of different questions about why this is such a tough decision. And again, it, it, he's got a lot of factors going on here. And he, he did say it's going to come down to um, some prayer, some time with his family, his wife's going to have an input on this decision. Um, but it's not one we know right now. And I think if you're Oregon, that puts you in kind of a precarious situation. And I don't know what the conversations behind the scenes with Dan Lanning have been like, if Dan has a more clear idea. But if you're going out here now, and I don't want to jump past the Bo stuff because neither Jared or Matt have really had a chance to talk about it, but you do just wonder how that's impacting the Dante Moore recruitment, how that's impacting some of the transfer portal targets. Um, there's just a lot going on at that particular position. And what Bo decides ultimately to do could really impact what Oregon ends up doing from a recruiting perspective in the, in the, both the immediate but also then the long term of a guy like Adante Moore, who it sounds like part of this decision will be, I'd like to be starting right away. Bo, if he comes back, will get in the way of doing that at Oregon. UCLA, where he's rumored to be leaning now, has an open spot, plus it sounds like some NIL offerings that are kind of competitive and intriguing to him. So there's just a lot of moving parts and the fact that Bo hasn't made a decision again i'm not blaming him because it's a huge decision is certainly impacting what oregon can tell prospective quarterbacks out there on the trail right now
2: it's certainly like like you mentioned he was really passive about this decision which was really strange It, uh, it kind of felt like he was being not this is so over exaggerating but almost like in a hostage in this situation where it kind of felt like I'm kind of waiting for whatever I'm told that I can do. Like, hey, Bo, we'd love to have you back. Or, hey, we have Dante Moore locked up. Like, he's coming. Like, you're free to go to the NFL if you'd like to do that. Um, I, I mean, he was asked in a myriad of ways of what this decision would look like, what the timeline would look like, what are the what are the things that go into making this decision process um, and they were all very diplomatic responses. They were all cut and dry, no no leaking, no, can't really take too much from one of his answers. Um, I think uh, James Kruppi, the Oregonian, asked him about, like, do or does uh, NIL make an impact on this? Um, and he's like, yeah, it probably does, but he doesn't think he can make a bad decision, which is how he ended most, most of his segments with, was either way, I'm making a good decision, which I agree. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think we should really be talking about Bo in this situation, but it does feel like there's some, the underlying recruiting dilemmas that Oregon is dealing with, or might be steering the ship from behind the scenes on what Bo Nix does or does not do. Um, I, I agree with him. I think either way, it's a good decision whether he comes back or whether he goes to the NFL. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I've kind of sat here and thought about it for the last couple of days. I'm not sure what else he has to prove at the collegiate level, especially after the season he just had to to come back. Um, I know all the Oregon fans would like him to come back because he was really damn good this past season. And other than that ankle injury towards the end of it, um, you know, Oregon was really, really, really successful with their offense. Um, And I kind of do wonder how much the decision that Kenny Dillingham made for himself to leave and uh take the head coaching job at arizona state how much that'll factor into it because he did mention how like it's really productive when you can go from an offense one year and then come back into that same system he thinks it's productive so i wonder if that's i don't want to take anything from that but some type of hidden message that it's like oh well i have to come back and learn an entirely new offense after having an offense that i knew beforehand at auburn um, as a freshman so I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that um, could be taken away from this, but ultimately the biggest thing is that there is no decision. There there's not a clear, concrete decision from Knicks whether he's coming back for next season or if he's entering the draft. Which you know, I think we we all kind of thought maybe there would be one coming into today or at some point this week he would make an announcement, but still nothing yet. It wasn't happening today. I don't know if it will happen anytime soon.
1: Well, not to but not to butt in for Matt, but what you said after we walked back, as we're walking back to the car, kind of resonates with me. Is he's talking so passively, Matt? You kind of brought up the point of like, do you think they're in NIL negotiations? And the reason he doesn't, like, how much of how much of this is he's just kind of waiting to see if they get to the number he wants them to get to? And it's crazy to give me for the hundredth time, I will say it's crazy. We're talking about this with college sports because this has never been the way it was publicly. But like Matt, like I kind of think you might be onto something with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it felt like of when he said, Hey, it's, you know, I want this decision to be over too. Um, and when you were like, well, you kind of control that like to a degree. And like you said, this is new to college athletics where there's maybe he wants to stay, but he only wants to stay if he can get some financial guarantees from NIL opportunities around, you know, the, the university of Oregon, which Oregon doesn't have any kind of say in that. And Oregon, you know, Oregon's just kind of sitting here going, boy, it'd be sure nice if we could get, like, a concrete answer from somebody. Like, Bo, are you coming back? Dante, hey, like, we're still here too. Uh, Transfer, like, do we want to go that direction? Um, But for Bo, like, he's in a tough spot. And this is one that's a new decision that not only Bo, but a lot of players across college football are having to make now where it's – Hey, I could go to the NFL. He was—he said today that he received the day three draft grade um, when he was leaving Auburn, uh, and to and to come back to school. And so if if you just say he maybe marginally improved that, which I think is very conservative, um, you know, he's probably still a day three guy. If if it's if it's a marginal improvement there, and that's where nil could become a difference. Like you can maybe make a million, two million. Dollars, if you're a star high profile quarterback Crazy. at the college level at a school that's at the level of Oregon um in one season which would be more than what you would make in one year uh at at the NFL level from a a sixth round or a fifth round draft pick yeah, now
1: practice squad or whatever yeah
0: right now Jeff Schwartz uh on Twitter he was he was responding to a question of take it one year nil, you know, deal or go pro early or whatever it was, and he said go pro early or go pro just in general because you're one more year closer to your, you know, your your second contract in the NFL when you can get even more money. So that's an interesting angle to to look at it as well. But Knicks is in that weird spot, and I don't know if he really wanted to say that. Like, hey, I'm out here trying to decide if I need to come back to school because the money is going to be worth it on the short term or long term. Is it best for me to go pro? Um, And he doesn't really have a full say in that. Like he just can't go to division street and say, I need $5 million. I'm just throwing out some crazy number right. to, to stay here. Um And then they automatically say, yes, like there's that other side, there's another side of negotiation. So yeah, I think there may be uh There may be some, you know, some negotiating here. And I also think we've, we've said this before. We've said it today on this podcast. He wants to control the narrative as, as I, as would anybody would want to control the narrative. And I really wonder if it's shaping up where it's going to come out hours, maybe the day or two after the holiday bowl and, he announces what he's doing one way or the other, whether it's coming back for what would be a fifth season um, or it would be going pro. Um, I, I don't know that answer, but that's just kind of where I think things are, pro- are progressing because, look, two guys who have no choice, they have to move on. Uh, Bennett Williams, Alex Forsyth, today after practice, they said, like, Bennett Williams was legitimate saying, like, I may not return to Eugene, when our bowl game is over, I may actually just end up staying in San Diego and doing my NFL training there. He goes, that's one of the locations I'm considering. And he was like, kind of dumb I mean, I may not actually just fly with the team back to Eugene. I may just stay there. Of course, I said, he's already got plans locked in um, after the bowl game to go to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, to train with Shane Lemieux, Jay Hansen, and some other offensive linemen that have come through Oregon. So, if Bo does want to go pro, like it happens quick from a training perspective and getting getting yourself ready once that bull game is over. and the quicker you go, you know we're talking days that are important uh, you know to, to get your body healthy, to get your body training for that combine and for that NFL draft. So I, I would imagine he wants to make this decision super fast uh, after the bull game is over.
1: I want to pose the question I saw on the message board I thought was kind of smart yesterday and that we've been discussing a little behind the scenes and I, I, I'm thinking might be a consensus here, but I saw people kind of asking this. And obviously this isn't exactly what the situation is. I don't know if Oregon really has a choice one way or the other. I don't think Dane Lanning is sitting with, you know, with a, you know, a devil on one shoulder, an angel on the other, I don't know, kind of thing picking between, but like, okay. It, it, hypothetically, if you could choose one year of bone Nix or three years of, three to four years, whatever it is, of Dante Moore, if that was the actual dilemma, what would you choose? And I think it's an interesting practice in thinking through a couple of things, but for starters, of the value of someone like Nix who's proven himself versus the potential and the upside of somebody to have some continuity at a position that Oregon just hasn't had continuity at, right? If had so much quarterback turnover, if Nix does ultimately go pro, that's going to be three straight years with, basically won and gone quarterback starting with, you know, Shuck Brown and now Nix. Like, I think there's a compelling case to be made for, you know, they probably don't win as many games. I wouldn't say probably. I would be very surprised if they won as many games in 23, if Dante Moore was the quarterback as opposed to Bo Nix, because you're talking about a 22, 23-year-old, 50 year senior quarterback versus a teenager who's never played at this level. But there is something to be said of, you've got the quarterback and that that can maybe develop under Will Stein and give you two to three years of success, which is of course why everybody everybody's really high on Dante Moore's upside. Uh, But then there's the the flip side of course, is do you rely upon a a, a Dante Moore who I know he's recruited, his rankings are much higher than Ty Thompson, but there's nothing to say. And again, I don't want to write Ty Thompson all the way up because I've been clear on this podcast. I'm not ready to do that, but hypothetically it doesn't work with Dante Moore. And now you've got, similar situation in two years where or in a year or so where you're going okay well that didn't work out what do we do now i think there's just more certainty with Knicks in the short term than you have with the players unproven so where would you guys i'm just curious because i i I saw pretty good discussion back and forth on our message board good points made both ways like jared where do you land like if you if you were hypothetically in this dilemma of one year of Knicks versus three years of more where do you where do you side
2: oh give me three years of more I don't think this is really that hard because
1: uh, Oregon
2: and every program in the country now has the biggest safety net of all time in the transfer portal. If things go poorly, just, you know, the last couple of years, you look at Tyler Shuck, who I think is still a good quarterback and I think he'll be good. Um, I don't know. Does he have another year of eligibility at Texas Tech? He must. Um, I think he'll still be good at Texas Tech. I mean, he has been pretty good in what he's shown as long as he's been healthy. But again, you go to the, the transfer portal. You bring in Anthony Brown, who leads you to, to ten victories. You bring in um, you bring in Bo Nix the very next year. All of these because your big high profile four star quarterbacks haven't necessarily panned out. If Dante Moore doesn't pan out, you still have the uh, the ability to get into a transfer portal quarterback who can help um, you know situate your program. But you know, the other flip side is that if if Dante Moore does pan out you know, that's a, that's a damn good quarterback prospect. And again, he's so young and there's, he's not even at a college yet. He's still, you know, seemingly wavering between Oregon and UCLA out of nowhere. Um, that we'll, we'll, we'll find out eventually. But again, if he pans out, if he lives up to his expectations in this unbelievably stacked quarterback class of 2023, that's going to be a, a, a bigger programming altering quarterback than anybody that you can get in the transfer portal plus it's three years it's three guaranteed years as long as he doesn't transfer um and I would take that over one year of Knicks and obviously the upside of Knicks is that like you just went through Eric is you know this 22 23 year old quarterback who has plenty of power five level experience in the both the SEC and the Pac-12 leads you after just leading you to um you know a nine and three regular season with the holiday bowl against UNC well congrats um but and he's an excellent quarterback who's a, a great leader and somebody who understands the game. Um, there's like Nick's, there's no bad decisions here. Um, I, I just think that I would take the the guaranteed multiple years of potential of Dante Moore um, than the the, 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 I guess the surefire one year of Bo Nix and me, I'm, I'm a potential guy. Like I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan. So prospects is the name of the game for me. And I, and I love like, this is all of baseball is like, well, do I trade these 18 to 19 year olds for the 28-year-old, you know, star player who might live up to the expectations or and might sign with the team after the year, blah blah blah. So me, I'm always gonna go high upside uh younger potential guys than I am established
0: figures. I'm the opposite and I I would say bonex um over one year of Dante Moore because I think if you factor in that – if if Bo Nix comes back, you've got Noah Whittington and Bucky Irving at running back. You have Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, on Dickey in at wide receiver. That's three really good guys there. You've got a couple younger guys too in that position. Terrence Ferguson at tight end. I think you've got a good core group of three linemen, JPJ, uh, Marcus Harper, and Josh Connolly Jr. at the offensive line where – you add Bo Nix in, the pieces are there for a 10-11 win season in 2023. Schedule is easier. You don't have to play Georgia. Um, likelihood that you go 3-0 in non-conference play is huge. Um, the playoffs are on the table. And then let's let's just think about this for a second here, okay? Because we're, we're talking NIL. We're talking collectives. Dante Moore is probably going to be getting a lot of money from Morgan Collectives Um, When he arrives at Oregon, if he doesn't go to Oregon, they can spread that money to Bo. They can spread that money to maybe a David Hicks and a Caden Proctor, who are also very seriously looking hard at Oregon. Now, like this is crazy, you know, hypothetical world here, but you could essentially, you know, quarterbacks garnish the most money in the NIL landscape whether it's a current QB at at, at Oregon like Bo Nix or whether it's a high school prospect like Dante Moore. It's just, they're the ones that get the huge gobs of crazy amounts, crazy money. You could spread that out where you lose Dante Moore. Yes, but you gain Bo Nix back. Hypothetically, you could maybe use some of that to position yourself better, you know, to land Hicks and Proctor which solve two more problems for the, for your team. And then the transfer portal, like Jared said, the, 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 the greatest safety net in college athletics, you've got your quarterback for 2023, go find your next high school guy, go find your next portal guy. That's got multiple years of eligibility left and the portal next year. Worry about that problem down the road. It's college athletics is moving very quickly to the NFL landscape where it's worry about this season only and you'll figure out the future later because the the, the me- mechanisms are in place for you to quickly reshuffle the roster real fast year over year.
1: I'd like to see people in the comments weighing on this one because I probably lean with matt actually which might surprise some just in terms of i I'd rather have something sure and and, and maybe it's because I'm just in, in general not the biggest risk taker in in, in life um so like I'm kind of looking at this like, there's it's a very low risk, pretty high reward with Bo Nicks for one year. And as Matt said, I kind of look at it and go, and then you just go back in the portal, you know, the same which is the same safety net as is, is that if it doesn't work out with Dante Moore. Now, I also agree with with Jerry that the upside and ceiling of what Dante Moore can be in two or three years figures most likely to be higher than whoever quarterbacks x y or z is in the portal or from the prep ranks or a ty thompson whose name we haven't mentioned who could be developing and maybe 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 he ends up actually becoming something significant and 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 lives up to all that promise but i i like the idea of of having something concrete at quarterback next season to keep the program moving in a positive direction in part because there's also you know as you said jared the possibility doesn't work out with dante it's also the possibility it works out for dante for a year and he transfers somewhere else for more money and goes you know i mean like you just don't know and so i i guess i i guess maybe it's short-sighted um but that's what makes it such an interesting conversation because i think if you spoke to 20 different duck fans or people who are around the program or who have kind of a a vested interest in some kind i think you get a pretty wide variance of answers um James Crepia mm-hmm. r- right away was like, "Give me Bo Nix," which surprised me. I thought he was going to have the long, the long term, and and most people took the Bo Nix route. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking on both sides because I'm because I think I take Bo, but like there's a really compelling case for for Oregon, especially with the history at this position since Justin Herbert has left. Of saying it would just be really nice to have a have some continuity and not be I know Bo Nix would be that'd be two years. So there's a little bit of continuity, but there's just been so much turnover and at that position. So, um, kind of I, an interesting hypothetical.
0: What happens if, if Bo Nix shows up and or not Bo Nix, Dante Moore shows up and isn't really the guy yet, isn't ready to play. And because he's still here, Ty Thompson is also on the roster. Maybe he plays, has to play because. Dante Moore is not ready or maybe Ty Thompson wins the job, but it's clear he's not ready. And then Dante Moore shows up and, you know, he's, he plays whatever, you know, both QBs play in, in 2023 and neither guy really is it. And both leave or it becomes clear that, Hey, you need to find another guy because this ain't it. Like they're not the option and you have to go and find another quarterback again. So for now, like the fifth year in a row, you have a different quarterback like that. While unlikely, that's a scenario that isn't really that far-fetched from playing out.
2: Well, in that case, you know, Oregon would – they need another quarterback to begin with. So they would – if they were all in on Dante Moore, they would need to bring in a guy who could be a suitable backup. Same idea as what Anthony Brown was with Tyler Shuck. Um, And they would just do that again. And, yeah, there is that possibility. But, again, we could come up with a million different possibilities. This is just an answer here. You know, I could reply to you guys. It's like, well, what if Bo Nix pulls a Kyler Murray and is injured on the third snap of the first game of the season for the entire year? So it's just, it's an interesting exercise. I think yep. there's a million different answers, and again, I think this is whatever you're partial to. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm a baseball guy. So again, I'm a, I'm a risk taker. It's like, do I want to trade? Four guys who are 16 to 18 years old who could turn into the next—I don't know—Manny uh, Machado for Manny Machado right now. I don't know, um, but I'm going to take Dante Moore. I, I just I, I think the three years is really nice. I think his uh, ceiling is much higher than Nix's as a 22 or 23 year old, which is which is really hard to say because Nix was so damn good. But um, again, you look at like the physical stature, the traits, the arm talent. Um, the speed, uh, just the overall athleticism and the IQ that Dante Moore and the, his winning pedigree have shown. I mean, there's a reason that that teams are going to, excuse me, programs are going to offer him so much damn money on the open open market um, that is college football recruiting. Um, I, I just, I, I, I think it's a really interesting question, but I, I feel like I'm going to be um, in the minority here of people who think uh, for or for people who answer this question i think there's going to be a lot of yeah give me bo nicks for a year because of what we just saw um i I guess i'm just a more i don't know optimistic more optimistic get it um more optimistic that people can live up to their potential because i think a lot of oregon fans feel like they've been um like i don't know kind of maybe screwed out of of a potential quarterback from from a high ranking so Whoever the next guy that, that comes in that's a high-ranking quarterback is going to do the same as as what the previous ones have done, but maybe not this time.
1: Sorry for leaving this. Just a, a kind of an aside here. I, I, I had someone deliver a package here, and uh, you know, I can't oh yeah, what'd him. you get? I don't know. It's a big package. Uh, I'm excited to open it later. I'm, we could do an unboxing here on the podcast live and see what <laughs> I have. I have no idea what I have, but the guy was very cordial and apologized for interrupting the podcast, but. Uh, uh, I digress. Um, that's okay. Looks that's like uh, I think Matt texted us. Looks like
2: his internet just went out, which is oh very untimely. Yeah, so that's, that's Eric, it might just be you and
1: I. Let's commanding let's the just, ship now. Oh, is he back? He's back, Matt. He's back. Well, not have, let's not, not have let's not have dead air here. Let's talk, and I, hopefully Matt returns. Well, now he's gone dark, which is not a great sign. But uh, no, I, and, I, and let's just let's just switch topics a little bit because I think we've done sure. a good job of covering all of the Bo Nix, Dante Moore thing. Again, it's not apples to oranges, I don't think. I think it's a tough discussion. Um, here comes Matt again. Let's bring him back. Whoa. We changed boxes. We fixed it. Uh, we, we, <laughs> were just we, about, we were just about to transition to some Will Stein talk because we did have some people talk about that, Matt. So do um, you want to go ahead and kind of lead with the conversation?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's here. Uh, Eric was the one that spotted him uh, watching or walking out of practice today. Um, he is involved in some capacity. Dan Landing was like, hey, he's here. Why not use him? You know, Another set of eyes. It, it would be. Kind of dumb of us not to. Um, now, he's also not like running the offense. He's, he's not running the mm-hmm. show. I'm sure it's more of him just um, standing from afar, kind of, A, seeing what offensive players he has at his disposal next season. And then if something comes up in a, in a play or a scheme or what have you, and he has some input he'll go over to a coach probably maybe we want to try this instead or you know what if what if we did this and say would it change much um, but he's he's not in the game planning format but he's here he's involved and you know Bo Nix has also acknowledged that he's had conversations he said you have to have conversations with Will Stein because that factors into his own decision of coming back to school next season or going pro um, and it, it's Unique. It's interesting. Um, I think a couple of years ago, we, Eric, we covered Jared, was here too before it as well, where like offensive coordinator gone, but the new one's kind of here, or maybe it's just a different position. I can't remember. Well, it was last um,
1: year with McClendon in, in place of Moorhead.
0: Yeah. And like the new guy is here, but he's not oh, really here. Yeah, 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 not here. yeah. The new guy's here already, but he's not really here yet because he's not all the way in because there's still a bowl game to play. I think we went through that once. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. What was that?
1: Uh, it's going to, was it, was it when a Royal left? It was probably something it was probably when a Royal left and maybe when more had arrived. I, I I can't recall. I can't remember entirely. what it was, but it, we've done it once. I know that. So, yeah, so that, so that's what's, that, that's sort of Stein's He's on campus. We can say that, that UTSA is playing in a bowl game right now. He is not at that game. I can confirm that because he was at Oregon's practice right around kickoff for, for whatever bowl that is. I can't recall. Um, you know, I, I, just to kind of, I'll have a story up on duckterritory.com duck, duck later today, but, you know, I, I think Lanning was was just kind of gushed a little bit about what he sees in, in Will Stein. A lot of similar character characteristics and traits that, that Kenny Dillingham, you know, had that he also sees in, in Will Stein. And somebody who he doesn't, by the way, have really much of any history with, you know, and I think that was one of the things that, you know, when you were looking at possible replacement for Dillingham, I know that was one of the things, you know, Matt kind of had jotted down as a priority was, okay, who has Landing worked with? Who has Malco worked with? Who have some of these other people who are prominent in this decision-making? Who are their kind of career contacts? And there isn't a ton of overlap with Stein and the staff. I think he was on Texas's staff a little bit when Maringer was there, but he was in a you know, in a lesser role. Maringer, I think, was coaching tight ends. And I think maybe he was a GA or a quality control co- coach or something at that point. So there's a little overlap there. But for the most part, this is somebody who is is new to Dan Lanning and company. And, and, and Dan made it clear of, like, we're going to hire the best people. It doesn't have to be somebody that I have, you know, kind of like an intimate history of relationships with, which he doesn't with, Will. It's somebody who is, is again, relatively new here. And um, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh what the recruiting process how this plays out if if we think uh you know you know how much of what's going on with Dante Moore is is related to to will Stein how much of it is just the Dillingham relationship kind of how does that play out does that become a factor um, I think the other thing from practice that was interesting was kind of getting a feel for how this offense is going to operate in a bowl game um, in terms of who's running the show which is you know it's funny because I think Twice now we've talked to Dan Lanning and he has said it's going to be a split between Marringer and Junior Adams. But then Bo Nix was asked about it and kind of indicated it sounds like Drew Marringer is is the point person right now. Or at least that was the, the way it was kind of framed. I don't know, Jared, you might have that quote available more readily than I do of what he said about about Marringer. Because the way it was kind of uh, discussed from Lanning's perspective, it sounded like, yeah, it's going to be kind of a joint operation and then the way nick's kind of discussed it it did sound like marringer is kind of running what what what, can you read the quote there jared yeah i got it
2: yeah this is just um yeah like like eric said it's just nick's talking about the the offense he says the playbook is the same but coach marringer has done a really good job he called he's called plays in the past he's a very smart football mind so he's going to put us in good situations and then he mentioned that coach adams junior adams is still uh still working with the wide receivers. He's got the wide receivers going. So I think that's kind of not not necessarily what we learned from Dan in the first press conference that we had because, again, he said that it was going to be this huge conglomerate, this big effort from the offensive staff, but Merringer and then Junior Adams are going to be the top two guys in the play calling. But, yeah, it looks like it's it's going to be Drew Merringer for the game, um, and I think that's the right call. I mean, I don't really, I don't really think that there's a bad decision here. Just because it's a bowl game, it's it's a one time thing. Um, Mayeringer uh, was, you know, a, a sole offensive coordinator at Rutgers in 2016. I think he was the youngest in the Power Five level during that season. Um, but it, it was good to see Will Stein, or well, I didn't see him, but it was good to hear that Will Stein was still there um, at practice today. Eric, I got a question for you though: Is Will Stein tall?
1: Not a tall man. Not tall. No. About, about no. a Kenny. About a Kenny Dillingham person in height. I think. I think what they hate on small people. Like, yeah. I'm speaking yeah, up well, for the short you know, Yeah, Jerry, what are you trying to do yeah, here? I mean, Come on, we've got a short person I'm among the us. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I've mean, just—I'm just wondering because that's two in a row now from Dan. So if Will Stein leaves, I think we have to put in the height um, well, for each offensive well, potential coordinator that that they're going after.
1: There are some physical similarities. They're both 33 years old, which is again, this is two consecutive offensive coordinators I've been older than, which is really aging me um and they're both about the same height about 5'10 5'9 i would i would say and they both have kind of blondish hair so i mean there's some there's they're not doppelgangers but there's some physical similarities yeah no, i i for some reason had thought will stein was going to be like a 6'3 6'4 person because he was a a college quarterback at louisville but i was surprised to learn he was listed at 5'10 in college and seeing him walk around uh Gosh, it sounds like we're being so mean about somebody's. I'm, you're right, Matt. This is this is Ritis. this is this is bad. A couple of tall people. Well, we're not being. We're
2: not being mean. We're just. We're just. I'm just asking the question
1: because yeah. when we all saw Kenny Dillingham
2: for the first time, we were like, "Huh, I, you know, he's he's not as tall as we envisioned him being. He kind of looks like a GA out there." But oh,
0: oh as a fellow short person, <laughs> I'm offended. Yeah, I think you should be Matt. This wow.
1: the, the tenor of this whole conversation is so off by Jared. He's really I'm just kidding. Because I was the one slapping you like, oh Will Stein's really short.
2: <laughs> it happens, man. I just I just have to ask. Since I wasn't there, I need to I need to know the the ins and outs of, of what's to, what Stein looks I'm like. Yeah, you
0: know, is... yeah.
1: Do you have that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Matt. Nine, yeah.
0: nine and a half. Nine and a half. Oh boy. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh let's take a quick break. And because there's nowhere to go from. <laughs> to <this.
1: laughs> At some point, we're just gonna, uh, and when we come I, back,
0: I, I, we'll dive into the recruiting yeah, aspect that. Uh, that comes with t- this weekend as well. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audibles podcast. Uh, recruiting is still going on. Transfer season is still going on. Uh, signing day is like today's Friday, so six days away. Uh five days, depending on when you maybe you listen to this podcast. And the entire landscape for Oregon's 2023 recruiting class is currently in flux right now. You know, I I, I think it's a weird time. Um, it's something that you felt really good about for 90% of this cycle. And then now in the last couple of days, the number three player in the country, the highest rated quarterback ever committed to the Oregon Ducks, Dante Moore. Um, he looks like he could be flipping to not only a, a different school, which like if you had told Doug fans, Hey, he's going to flip. Um, I, I think everyone would be like, Oh, is he going to Ohio state closer to home? Is, is he maybe going to stay home and, play for Michigan or Michigan state. And none of the fans would be really surprised if that was a scenario that would play out if you told them in like September, but UCLA of all schools, a fellow West coast school, a future big 10 participant um, is the, the school that's got a lot of the momentum right now. He was on campus last week for an official visit at the time you're kind of like, yeah, not the greatest, but Oregon's still fine. And in like a week it's transpired to can, can Oregon like get back to being the number one team right now? Um, That's kind of where things seem to be trending and it opens kind of the discussion back to Bo Nix and back to just the position in general. Like we talked about this on the last show, what does Oregon do if, if he leaves and it puts a lot of pressure on Oregon, and maybe this is why Bo Nix is waiting. Like, because we talked about leverage, we talked about you know, Dante Moore using mm. UCLA to get more NIL leverage. Maybe it's Bo Nix waiting on what happens with Dante Moore. Because if Moore flips to UCLA, all of a sudden Bo Nix has a lot of leverage to dangle over NIL collectives at Oregon. You want me to come back? Well, my price tag just went up because if I don't come back, more has gone. Y'all are screwed. And the question is, I mean, that
1: how screwed would they be if they end up without either of them? Right. Uh, Hudson Card, who uh, we've talked about this podcast, has a prior relationship with Will Stein, former Texas quarterback. Matt, you've said you said he's been in Eugene. Um, yep, he was pretty-
0: here uh, Wednesday and Thursday.
1: So he 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 is certainly a target to know. Um, I'd be curious to see how aggressive they are. If that's the direction they go, what about DJU, who we know by the way also just visited UCLA, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, and with more, it's it, the the information that has come out has been kind of interesting. So we had uh, a report from Steve Wiltfong early in the week suggesting yeah he visited UCLA, but Oregon's still in pretty good standing. I know those listening to the podcast are going like, wait, on Wednesday we asked you guys and you guys were like unanimous, like, no, I think Moore ends up at Oregon. But this is how quickly things can change. And, and, you know, the thing that Steve said in his most recent update, which indicated UCLA might be in a good position, is that Moore was really intrigued by the idea of being a starting quarterback year one at UCLA. That's part of the pitch. And then a, a, a Bruin report online, the UCLA 24-7 affiliate had a, a, a post or report, earlier on Friday suggesting there might be some NIL collectives in play here. So there's some money being kind of bandied about. And you just kind of wonder how much of this could be leveraged for more with Oregon. How much of this is just like, UCLA just came in and made a offer you can't refuse kind of bid and just put, and, and cause it is, we've said it, as Matt said, it would be logical to say, "Okay, he's a Midwest kid." We, I mean, we talked about in the last podcast with David Hicks about how he's sticking probably in Texas or closer to home. You know, at some point, a kid coming from Michigan, it's 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 understandable that maybe they decide to stay closer to home, somewhere in in, in Big Ten country, or even I don't know, maybe they go a little bit south, but go Big Twelve country. Eugene's that's a that's a that's a distance away, but the fact that he's looking at UCLA and the fact that now we're hearing money being being a bigger impact just kind of interesting to kind of read the tea leaves on what's actually happening in this recruitment because it had felt like you know if all things were equal and and, and you know and, and the money wasn't a factor that Oregon had a pretty compelling case here but if again if it all comes comes down to the financial part And again we have no idea what each school is offering which makes this so difficult that's why covering college sports right now is so challenging compared to covering pro sports when you can say well the philadelphia 76ers offered this free agent 12 million dollars but you know hypothetically the net the the nets were able to offer 18 and more years and x y and z uh, you know whatever we don't have that information but i do think it's interesting that according to tracy pearson like i said earlier from bro that that there, it sounds like the nil part is 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 a component here that I hadn't previously seen really been discussed. It's not it's not
2: overly surprising that the nil piece is a, is a huge deal in this, as it should be, as I'm sure it probably was in Oregon Landing, Dante Moore to begin with. Sure. We just we just won't know, and i I wonder if one day that those those reports or those deals will get. Kind of uh, reported as they do in like the in, in the NBA and the NFL and the MLB, where some someone is breaking the news that someone has signed with X school for X amount of years and X amount of dollars. I think that's the next wave of what uh, college football journalism is going to be. But that's just me. Um, I will say I'm I, again like the reports that you know he's interested in becoming UCLA's starter. Yeah, every kid is interested in becoming a starting player on a football team. That's why they go to those schools to begin with. I think conspiracy me. I think that was just um, the initial report to say as to why he was interested in UCLA to kind of get off the case of it being really he's interested because they're going to give him more money than another school would. Um, Because. If we look at a conversation that we just had in this podcast about the Dante Moore versus Bo Nicks for three years or one year, um, Matt brought up the point of like, what if Dante Moore just isn't a starting level quarterback at his very first season? And that's the case if UCLA wants him too. If say wants Dante Moore, what if he's not a starting level caliber quarterback when he first comes in? And yes, of course, he wants to start. But like I said, everybody wants to go in there and start. Every recruit does. Every recruit thinks that they can until they get to that level. So again, that's my my conspiracy me is saying that, well, they're, that's just a report because it's really an NIL deal more than anything else. But I think what really makes this an interesting deal above the NIL stuff is, as we mentioned on Wednesday's podcast, is UCLA's transition to the Big Ten. I don't think it's any coincidence that all of this is becoming very immediate news following UCLA's acceptance into the Big Ten from the Board of Regents of the University of California. I think those things go hand in hand, and now that UCLA knows that in a year and a half they'll be um, in the Big Ten, and now Dante Moore, who's a Midwestern guy, or whatever division of America we want to call that, Midwestern, um, and now in the Big Ten is going to play in front of families at Michigan, or Michigan State, or they'll make the drive to Indiana or something like that. Um, again, I, I don't know where this one is going to go. Clearly, it's leaning in favor of UCLA at the present moment in time from Tracy Pearson's report and what Steve Wolfong has said. Um, but recruiting is recruiting. In a week, it could be completely different. In 48 hours, it could be completely different. So it's just something to consider um, just how different it could be in the next 48 or week or whatever the case may be. Um, I I just think it's very interesting developments for Oregon. And then you, you know, if, if that um, domino eventually falls, you kind of have to look at where does this class go? If that dominoes fall right before signing day, like what happens? Cause it might just be a similar, um, a similar December for us as it was last season after Mario Cristobal left.
0: Yeah, what happens next for Oregon if Dante Moore does lead? Because look, they need another quarterback. Even if Bo mm-hmm. Nix comes back. Because they have Bo. Ty is still on the roster, which Eric mentioned that earlier. Doesn't want to forget that. But you can't go into 2023 without three scholarship quarterbacks. So then the transition goes, okay, well, Bo's back. Ty is- Tie's locked in. Do you go after a DJU, and does that open maybe that opens the door for Mateo in the package, of the two brothers playing together? But does DJ want to sit a year? You don't know that answer. Um, would would probably adding probably does not he doesn't? doesn't. He doesn't. Does, I know that answer. <laughs> was adding DJ like with that kind of push off tie? Hey, you just added a guy who's kind of similar in age as me. I, I'm gone. I've given you a chance. I, I'm okay. Being a backup for another season developing but i don't want to compete against a guy that's the same age as me like i'm gone hudson card how does that factor in or do you maybe go to the prep ranks and you offer a different quarterback at the high school level you know it's organ is in a very difficult position here because this is all happening it's all uncertain one way or the other for multiple players that could greatly impact the recruiting class. Could greatly impact the, the short term and the long term of this program. Like, there's a four star quarterback in the state of Oregon, Sam Levin. I don't think he's like a must get for Oregon. But if if this happened like right after the Oregon State game, you know, you could have you could have theorized, hey, his team just made it to the championship game at the highest qualification of football in the state of Oregon and won. He's the best player in the state of Oregon. He was previously committed to Washington state. The Huskies tried to jump in when they lost their commitment. Michigan state jumped in when they realized Mm -hmm. Dante Moore wasn't coming there. He's now since committed to Michigan state, but had this happened a couple weeks earlier, maybe Oregon gets involved there with a local quarterback who they feel like they could get another name that they, you know, probably realistically could be an option if, if they choose to to do it is Gabari Johnson. He he's from Tacoma four-star committed to Missouri Oregon offered him a scholarship under Kenny Dillingham, the Missouri offensive coordinator just left to become the the offensive coordinator at Boise State, so there's kind of a, a a crack there that you could maybe widen a little bit if you're Oregon. Hey, come play closer to home. You know, you lost your OC that you committed to at Missouri. You know, come come be a guy. But I, I don't I don't know what they do. It, it there's they're gonna have to find somebody, and I don't know what who it would be right now. And unfortunately you're in a position where there's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of options and you have to make a decision of going portal. And if, if you go portal, do you go like grad transfer one or two year guy, or do you try and find a project player or is there a guy that's a high school prospect that's worth developing over time in a couple of years? I don't know what the answer is on that one.
1: I don't either. And that's why, that's why it is a precarious spot. Um, and I just think you're going to have a hard time finding solutions in the prep ranks at this point because, in general, as we've established earlier, like, even Dante Moore is no sure thing to be incredible year one. I don't know if you're going to find a prep guy who's currently uncommitted and open to to flipping who's on that same – even on Dante Moore's caliber. You'd be looking at someone like Sam Levitt is a – I think we at 24-7, I think Kevin has a high three-star, but his composite's a low four-star. Like, he's like a 340th best player in the country or something um, on the composite barely a four star like that's a pretty large gap and so you wouldn't bring him in expecting him to start you bring him in thinking he could be a developmental prospect who could be good in a couple It'd of be years Millen. yeah he'd be like that kind of and hopefully he's, I mean not to be mean but hopefully he's better than that long term um, so no I, I just think you're, you're you are in a, a challenging spot I, I I do think regardless because I'm sure there's Oregon fans listening that's going like gosh so we're not going to have Dante we're not going to have Bo no one's saying that I think there's still a decent chance Bo comes back Bo could easily have already made an NFL decision and announced it if, if he was, you know, not wavering and knew exactly what he wanted to do. I think there's a possibility that happens. I think the Dante Moore thing is probably more precarious. I feel significantly less confident that he's going to end up at Oregon today than I did 48 hours ago when we were on this podcast saying we thought he'd come back or we thought he'd come to Oregon. Um, but there are, again, there are solutions in the portal. Card makes a lot of sense given his his, his history with Stein. I know that's not the most, you know, sexy, exciting player the uyungle la combination package deal if you could get dj and mateo is certainly a very intriguing option as well I, dj is somebody who i still think has a ton of talent and i'm not going to be the person who says you can't take a reclamation project and have it work because we just saw oregon have a reclamation project with bo nicks guess what it turned out okay uh, it turned out more than okay so I mean, I, I don't think Oregon's going to get in the spot where they're left with a really unqualified player starting. And and who knows, like, there's even a scenario where Ty Thompson ends up being your starting quarterback in 2023. And guess what? He's pretty good. Like, I'm not discounting that possibility at all, even though I've seen basically the consensus is he stinks based off of, like, 24 snaps and mop-up duty where he's not been given the full reins of the offense. but. I digress i understand that's the way kind of the analysis works these days when you do have such small sample sizes but i think oregon's gonna end up being okay at quarterback like i'm not expecting it's going to be a complete disaster but i do think that it has felt like for a really long time that it was going to be one of two doors that were open right it was either going to bonex returns or it was dante Moore. now it feels like door three might be you know more and more possible that there's going to be an alternative to one of those two guys being the guy I still lean Bo probably makes it back, but I I obviously don't have a have a for sure there.
2: Yeah, and the nice thing is that door three is filled with quality quarterbacks, and yeah. there's plenty of dudes in the transfer portal. I think I mean I'll just keep it short. I think regardless of what happens, I think Oregon will have a very talented quarterback heading into next season. That might that is probably going to be a clear bona fide number one. I did it, it might be Bo, it might be Dante, it might be Ty. Or might be a transfer portal guy, but I do think that they're going to have some talented uh, quarterback leading them into the 2023 season, and they're going to have Will Stein, who was talked about a lot today, as another big offensive mind, someone who can replicate a type of season that Kenny Dillingham just had at the helm. Like Matt said, they're going to have earlier in the podcast, they're going to have weapons on the outside, they're going to have running backs, they're going to have an offensive line. Um, Despite this feeling like you know the, the sky is falling, I still think that they'll be in good shape regardless. Um, so, uh, and it might you know, congrats to the Oregon fans for DJ young becoming the starting quarterback. So it'll 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 be somebody. I promise it'll be somebody talented.
0: Well, we'll end the podcast with this because there's so much to get to. We could spend the whole podcast on this segment real quick here, but Oregon does have a five star on campus right now. Jerion Dickey, which is big news because there was those rumors, which I didn't really believe in, that he was going to consider signing in February and not in a couple of days. He's on campus. Uh, Jeremiah Byers, UTEP transfer four-star, four-star portal player. He's on campus for an official visit, the tail end of this weekend. Before that, he sees Ohio State for an official visit. Four-star Notre Dame commit running back, Jaden Lamar is also his younger brother, who's a high-profile recruit, I believe, in the 2025 class. He's currently on campus as well. Four-star Ashton Porter, who's trending towards Oregon, a defensive lineman from the state of Texas. He's on campus. Uh, Jamari Johnson, a three-star athlete, tight end, very similar player to um, Kenyon Sadiq from an athletic standpoint. He's on campus as well. Uh, Louisville commit, so... Oregon could be flipping a couple guys. They could be landing uh, a potential Texas defensive lineman. Um, So there are good things happening. It's not a doom and gloom weekend entirely for Oregon. Yes, your five-star quarterback may be flipping to UCLA, but they do have high-profile players on campus. We expect more names to show up uh, as we see them. And, hey, look, there's always that possibility, right, that rumor that has yet to be confirmed one way or the other, of Dante Moore coming back to Oregon to give Lanning and Will Stein that last pitch before he ultimately decides what he's doing, that still may happen. We don't know if it's going to happen. We don't know if Dante Moore makes it to Eugene. But I think if, it, if he does make it, that's a really big positive for Oregon and the chances of keeping him.
1: Setting up to be a really eventful signing day. Which hasn't always been the case of late. Usually, the the February signing day gets a little more interesting. It might be a pretty interesting uh December twenty first for Oregon. I think there are going to be a lot of things to watch. There's several other players that we haven't even talked about who are targets. We talked about in a previous shows some five star talent that are looking at Oregon. Probably don't feel great about any of them, but it's possible one, two of those guys maybe end up at Oregon. If you want to put on your, you know, your your positivity hat. I don't know if that's a term. Uh, if you want to be glass half full, it's probably more uh, apt. But uh, no, go. it's going to be yeah. This is not my positivity hat. I'll take it off. I'll put it on a different hat uh, later. But no, I, I think it's going to be a really uh, it's going to be a really fun couple of days, and, and we'll
0: see how positive it is for Oregon. Yeah, Wednesday could be crazy. I hadn't thought of that.
2: Could be a fun one.
0: It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and podcast Friday edition. We'll be back whether there's breaking news over the weekend or we'll be back on Monday uh, with some kind of a show. I don't know if we're going to do the mailbag or if we're going to talk more recruiting preview of national signing day, but then um, we've got national signing day on Wednesday, which we'll be doing something as well. So keep your eyes out for podcasts. They could come this weekend. They could come on Monday. We don't know. We'll we'll see. Until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audibles podcast.
1: Talk to later, folks.
0: Peace.